Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 381 on Tuesday, the 9th of February, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where we've come to realise we need to have a fee structure, we'll be getting another lesson in how making cars is hard. We also discuss how you can be more confident that what you see is the real deal now. And we'll be all jumpy when chatting about a Porsche. But first, we have a little bit of follow-up. And in a week that has turned out to be less than ideal already for Tesla, this is the news that the recall that started in the US over the digital displays, uh, their, their one central point to do anything has fallen over in some cars due to uh, an issue we covered previously, which is that the chip in it just basically cannot cope with the number of restarts and reboots and all the rest of it and just is not made for automotive standards and requirements. So mm-hmm. in America, they were required by the uh, officials over there to recall any car from before, I think it's uh, before 2018. 2012 to 2018. Yeah, 2012 to 2018 to replace the units because it was deemed that an over-the-air and over the air update was not going to fix the fundamental flaw of it <laughs> but that's now come to the UK as well um tesla has basically said oh there will be a recall and we'll let you know when uh, but don't worry your car's still fine and if your reversing camera doesn't work use your mirrors and make sure you've got the latest yeah. software please still still no word on the suspension issues that there have been for the last 7 years of course yes amazingly that isn't a safety recall yet still mm-hmm. but china seem to have woken up and decided that they are less than enamored by possible quality and safety issues yeah the chinese are telling you to up your up your game it's quite bad anyway shall we move on from there we could fill a whole hour of of tesla jokes yes and then people would get very very narky even more narky than they normally do with us anytime we mention tesla but, but bored uh, we had covered that well. so it was, it was... <laughs> anyway uh new car registrations all not very many of them uh year on year january 2021 compared to january 2020 there was a drop in registrations of 39.5 percent as you know closed showrooms and all that and just not being really allowed to go anywhere to buy new ones uh has had a massive impact and i thought they've done a lot better than than i was expecting only 40% down. Yes, I think people have got very... People have had to get quite used to this whole sort of buying online, clicky-collecty and all that kind of stuff, which if you're not... If you kind of know what you want, and if you're not really a car person, you're buying on price and you're buying on spec and you're not going to get into the car and necessarily grapple with the top of the dashboard and go, there's some hard plastics, <laughs> as <laughs> as some people do. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I often drive grappling the top of my dashboard. Uh, then the, then you know it's fine, it's good. You you or you're buying, you're buying more of the same, something that you're used to. You you know what to expect. Then then it is relatively you know, there's very little risk in there. Mm. To be perfectly frank, so I think that that's got got a lot to do with it. Uh, before we move on into other things, I just want to highlight the one thing that that I thought was a really impressive positive that. 2020 
delivered the cleanest vehicles in history, despite, and not just because, partly I'm sure because of, of the new regulations about carbon dioxide emissions, but the average carbon emissions fell by 11.8% on 2019. Mm-hmm. So that was quite interesting because there's a graph on the SMMT website. In 2020, the average was 180 grams per kilometer. Did I, I just said that wrong, didn't I? Pardon me. In 2000, the average emissions were 180 grams per kilometer. Uh, in 2020, they're about 110. Uh, there was a little bit of an uptick, obviously, uh, since oh, about the time that the motoring podcast started. <laughs> uh, diesel gate when people started moving back to petrol-powered cars rather than diesel, where diesel has lower carbon, uh, carbon dioxide emissions, and then a significant drop uh, from 2019 to 2020. So there is a... There was a little bit of good news about 2020's uh, new cars. Mm-hmm. Overall registration, so in total, 90,249 vehicles were registered compared to, I've lost 149,279. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Exactly that number, that one there. Down across the board, market share, uh, 42% of the, the sales were private, 56.5% were fleet, with only 1.4% being to business users. To run through the various splits, in fact, I'm not going to run through the various splits. I'm going to jump across to a tweet from Tristan Young just after these came out, mm-hmm. because he has gathered them by uh, what we covered the other week, uh, the way that JTO were doing it. So it's by fuel you put in the car, Yes, to quote him. <laughs> As we said, is a good way of doing it. Yep. So petrol registrations down forty three percent, sixty thousand five hundred sixty one. Diesel down forty nine percent, seventeen thousand three hundred and four. That's a market share of nineteen point one seven percent. Battery electric vehicles six thousand two hundred and sixty. That's up fifty four percent. And FEVs. 6,124, which is up 27%. Quite impressive there that the more battery electric vehicles registered than uh, than FEVs. Yeah. Which was quite something, especially, and we can't all go, oh, there's a Tesla boat in, because that is not the case. No. Best sellers for the month, and I know that by best sellers, I mean best registers. Yes. At 10th, is the Ford Focus 1,686. So the numbers are low. January is traditionally low. This January was even lower. Uh, ninth, Kia Nero 1,741. Just ahead of that, the Ford Puma at eight, and then the Volkswagen Golf at seven. Uh, all very, very close there. All within 100 of each other, to be honest. Uh, sixth is the Mercedes Benz A Class with 1,859. Fifth is the Vauxhall XC4. Vauxhall? Volvo XC40. I think Vauxhall would be delighted <laughs> with the XC40. I think they would be at, well, yeah, I think they'd be pretty chuffed with that. Fourth is the Fiesta, 2,594. <gasps> if you didn't think 2021 could, could be more crazy than 2020, well, we've started on a strong one. <laughs> yeah, not just segment down to fourth. The third is the Nissan Qashqai, 2,835. So uh, second is the Kia Sportage, 2,986. It's an odd selection. And number one, 
uh, right in there at the top car pickers is the Vauxhall Corsa at 3,078 registrations. The Vauxhall, the Corsa is going strong. People do like it. Seeing lots of them, getting great write-ups. Yep. People trying the new Mocha this week, by the way. Yes. Um, I don't that really know. think they're allowed to say much about decent. it, but it looks great. Yeah. It can't be worse. Uh, or as, but it can't be as bad or worse. No. No, no, no. The last one was an absolute horrible pustule of a car. But the sort of vibe that I'm getting from the tweets of people who aren't really allowed to say yes. stuff, is it, it's a good vibe. It just seems much more positive in, in how they are approaching things. Hmm. Biggest issue is the name. I've said it for years. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, meanwhile, the spreadsheet of doom. Look, guys, it, it's just pink, all right? Uh, there are some exceptions. Andrew, do you want to run through the exceptions? Yes, I'll go through the exceptions. You have 10 seconds starting from now. Cupra, <laughs> because that's their first their first month. And they've got 213 cars registered. Uh, we can also say well done to Porsche. They are up 43.82%. Congratulations to Smart for winning the most ridiculous stat of the month um, because they registered 84 vehicles, which takes them up in a positive way, 236% from last year. And then other imports are 623, which is 57.32. Notable, it should be mentioned as well, is Polestar's first month, uh, or second month, I think, 326. Mm -hmm. Kia, though, only down, only just slightly into the negatives. So they did really well in uh, January. But everybody else had varying degrees of shocker, effectively. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Kia. Sorry, I'm trying to do the mental arithmetic here. They were within 13 cars of of, of last year's registration figure. Yeah, that's how that's that's practically even. It's it's well within rounding. Well, it is. It's point two one percent drop. So well within rounding error. Yes. So yeah, yeah. And that was it. Everything else pink. Any other brand, well down. Yes. There we go. I think we've nailed that. We've got used cars, though, just just to just to mention. Yes. Uh, so a quick piece of bonus on the end there is used car transactions in 2020 were down 14.9% year on year. There were, um, let me just check, there were 6.7 million used car transactions in 2020. 20 broken down lots of ways basically it's the ones you'd expect uh, at the top so fiesta corsa focus golf astra 3 series mini are the top seven uh, so they're the some most traded used cars uh, colors we did we not cover that the other week yes yes we yes, did yes we did it's basically black silver and gray i'm told there is a difference between silver and gray my apologies to anyone whom i offended previously by saying that silver and gray were the same thing yes quite I know who you are <laughs> yes we did see a tweet <laughs> right i'm going to take us on now to discuss diesels but this to do with the mot emission failures now there was the change in uh, how they are judged on in in an MOT, so there's the visual check, and then there's tighter uh, emissions limits also. And since that came in in May 2018, uh, there has been an increase of failures of 240 percent, purely down to emissions. So it's nothing to do with 
duff tyres and bulbs being out mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. It's purely to do with the emissions. Uh, petrol cars were also increased, and they were up 37% as well. Uh, so that's that means that the thing they wanted to do about diesels, which is get dirty diesels off the roads, is working. It was all about DPFs, uh, diesel particulate filters, of course, which are expensive to repair. Yep. They get clogged up, and some people try and remove them. Yes, because that's a straight fail <laughs> now. Yeah. Quite rightly. Are, are you listening, owners of Volkswagen Group cars? But I noticed there is a significant drop in the number of cars that you follow along the road, and there is a big cloud of black smoke um, that aren't relatively new and possibly yeah. haven't been tampered with. Yeah, definitely in our town. You you can see. I, I saw, even before lockdown, I saw there was a distinct mm. drop in... If you see it now... Yeah. If there's smoke coming out of a tailpipe now, you do go, oh, look at that. Whereas before, there was a lot more of it, so it didn't really stand out as much. There were some brands that when they're about six to nine years old, I felt, yeah, they just seemed to get smoky. Unless they'd been very well loved. Yeah. So elderly Mondeos, for example, were quite a common one around here. Knackered transit around here were, were an issue. Yeah, I tended for, Fords just seemed to be quite bad for that. It seemed to be a point. Um, but yeah, it seems to have that seems to have stopped. Yep. good one. That's what MOTs are all about, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and it, and it's good to see. And it, and then you know, it's that's another way of addressing the whole emissions and cleaner air. That's a, that's another part of the. Mm-hmm. It's not just as simple as ban a particular car. It's it's whilst we've got them on the road, how do we manage them? Well, that's that's very true, and it's the old thing about well, actually, if you maintain a car well, is it still you know it's still through its lifespan it has a longer life therefore you know the the all the the pollutants about building it are amortized over a longer period and all these kind of things but you you do have to keep it maintained for that to be the case and used cars cars already on the road not the ones that come out every year that make all the headlines that we then talk about and i mentioned oh look it's all the drop in the everything it's a major factor in our in our clean air and we looked at how many just there how many vehicles were traded used in the course of the year. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how we manage that though going forward. Yes. Well, very true, especially and then especially after the um after 2030. Yeah, as we approach 2030, I would imagine well, no, I d- I don't know. I don't it would be easy to say there's going to be a big surge on people buying internal combustion engine vehicles or stuff like that. But, but I'm not what sure people are saying now. that's what's going to happen at all, actually. Because I think buying habits will just be, oh, we get a, we get a FEV now or a um, you know something like that instead of having just the petrol or just the diesel. Yeah, uh, I, and that's what people are saying. So that's what people who like cars and therefore go, oh, it's going to be a V8, uh, and these kind of statements are saying now, nine years ahead. Yeah, I think it's very it's a very similar statement to the if you like driving then you have to buy this car type thing and then hardly anybody does because in reality it it, it doesn't fit doesn't tick enough boxes for somebody to be able to just use that car unless they're particularly hmm. weird and um sadomasochistic like some members of the motoring podcast are <laughs> <laughs> I could, I, you know what? I could actually. You started that, and I thought, I know where this is going to end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's a, it's that similar statement, isn't it? It, it? I think if we just pause a minute, actually, as we get close to things, we'll see the technology has moved on, 
And there may be there may well be a bit of an uptick, but I don't think it'll be anything like what people are thinking now because we've got nine years to get there. Agreed. Agreed. Well, talking about cars that definitely won't be coming out. <laughs> well, it's still not. It definitely won't be. I was quite disappointed to see this. I got all excited the other week. Uh, so for those of you who listened to the uh, Motoring Not A Podcast roundup of the year, then of course we have, and if you haven't, then you should. Why not, etc. Then if you did listen, you'll know that that's when we make our predictions for the following year and what's going to happen. And I, I was kind of stuck. I, I said the Apple car... After some wittering back and forth, I decided the Apple car will be a thing, thinking, ha this one's totally going to be a loser. And then it was the other week it came out that uh, Apple and Hyundai Motor Group, that's uh, Hyundai, Kia, Genesis, that's the kind of it, isn't it, were in talks with Apple uh, about about maybe maybe using their, their sort of their skateboard to mount an Apple car on. And it turns out that uh, that they are now no longer in talks with each other uh, sadly so i thought i was on to a surprise win for a while there back to the drawing board for both the apple car and for my uh, prediction for 2021 i'm still not sure why apple would want to make a car i don't understand why they would want to get into that that seems such a retrograde step for them because it's a lot of work immensely expensive and opens them up to a lot of liabilities yeah and uh, you know dyson have already discovered that yeah really so it's I, a i'm very not difficult... so sure that this was ever really a thing i don't know whether this was just rumors got a little bit you know it was a bit of a quiet week so rumors got a bit out of hand i mean it's supposed to be that hyundai have said this well, that's what but, uh... well that's what i thought at first because remember my whole thing was ha ah, it, it isn't a thing was my original prediction mm. Which I then oh, changed, yeah. and foolishly. So, <laughs> foolishly, yes. Really, uh, no. I was told that that was too easy. I think was the shout from at least one member of the call. Uh, Maybe and, might have done. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I think it's. I still think it's interesting. I think it's a possibility. I don't understand why they would want to do it. I, I think they'd be much better investing in making vacuum cleaners or dishwashers or, or, or any other form of home appliance, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's cars. are. It's, it's, they might as well just start building houses and, you know, buy up a home developer or something. Yeah. I have seen a couple of uh, – on the other side of this, though, I have seen a couple of articles uh, – dis- basically going into how this shows Hyundai, the Hyundai Group's ambition to not just be a car manufacturer because they are they are allegedly discussing other items with other electronic companies. They've, they've invested heavily in Boston Dynamics as well. Doesn't surprise, but this doesn't surprise me. This is the way the very large, the very large Korean companies work. Now, yeah. Hyundai Motor Group, I can't remember how independent it is from the rest of the Hyundai group. Yeah. So that make ships and ships and, and diggers and stuff. I think they are actually separate. So I could see them, but this is what happens in oh, I read about a, a book about this not so long ago. And it mentioned that the way that the big uh industrial conglomerates in in korea actually start out and that's why there are actually only very few big companies in korea Mm. yeah it it's a sort of cultural way stuff works 
thing. Yeah, I can't go into it in any more detail because anything no. I say is probably wrong. Yeah, because the if you if you just hop across the water to Japan, it's a in that at a very high level, it's a similar thing that it's a it's one giant company that has lots of little divisions, well, not little but massive divisions that would be entire companies over here on their own. <laughs> Ah, it's uh, it's similar but different, just in the way that oh, they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they're governed. Is actually quite a diff. Whilst the that idea is is roughly the same, the culture behind it is very different. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I was seems- saying it was a high level. But yeah, right. I am going to take us to court because we haven't been there for at least twenty minutes. Do we feel that we're we're missing it? <laughs> not really, not at all, actually. <laughs> and this I'm is the news nice. that uh, Jaguar Land Rover have won a copyright infringement case. Woohoo! So that's that's two out of three now. Because if you include the uh, the Defender claim that that was all their model, but then mm-hmm. they won the Evoke one in China. That's true. That's true. Uh, that's which, the one which I had forgotten. Completely yeah. caught us by a blindside because we did never expected that to happen. <laughs> Probably caught them by a blind side. That was the land wind, wasn't it? Yeah. So there is a, an intellectual property division of the High Court in Sweden, according to the car dealer article that will be linked in the show notes, has said that the external shape of the Jaguar C-Type was infringed by the company that uh, was trying to, or that had built one uh, one version of it over there and they now have to pay full or they have to cease and desist for starters and they have to pay Mm -hmm. full legal fees but uh, there was a couple of uh, choice quotes particularly the kerfuffle over someone drawing a sketch but protecting our intellectual property is something that we take very seriously said amanda beaton the global ip council for jaguar land rover (laughs) no kidding yeah (laughs) this this will be what this will be one of the things that has precipitated a jlr if you've missed this um jaguar have been taking down from redbubble and some of these these places basically images of even if they're hand-drawn images of jaguar vehicles Yes. Or sketches of, or impressions of. Even if they are not named a Jaguar. Exactly. And it's all to do with protection of the shapes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, which is what this this court case was all about. So it's all linked back into this. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening is that uh, JLR with their um, historic... Oh, no, it's the... Is it the Classics? I can't remember which division it is. Classics and Special Projects. Um, but they are building eight non-road legal versions because they're hoping that the owners get together and have races with them it's is what they're being encouraged to do <laughs> yeah, like you're gonna do that in these <laughs> i mean it would be lovely if they did but i doubt they will <laughs> it's, it's one of these continuation setups yes but uh, uh so don't I- try and make a kit car that's based on a jack <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a wonder that you know these days. Do you think they would have gone back and gone to uh, Weissman? Because remember they had mm. the one that was uh, three series based. Mm. The Weissman, but it was, but it was probably far enough away from 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 that. Really, it was kind of huge, hugely caricaturist. Yes, but yeah, this is this is this Swedish case is probably uh, the reason why JLR are really cracking down on things that look like an E type. Yes. Next up is something which I'd missed actually, and it, it's from a couple of weeks ago, 
And it's that there's a call for a lower drink drive limit in England and Wales. Drink driving still accounts for about 13% of road deaths here in the UK. They are looking to to add in some some new powers, one of which is the introduction of mandatory breath testing powers for the police, because at the minute you can uh, you can decline to give a breathalyzer sample, can't you? And then yes. it has to be a blood sample at the station, which is much later. Yes. Then it's going to increase the, inf- the to increase the enforcement levels again, increase the penalties for drivers who combine drink and drugs, because you know each of them on their own obviously isn't a big enough problem. Quite lower uh, lower drink drive limit, and to reform certain other schemes, the high risk offender scheme, uh, and to I don't know the government's to pay more attention to drink driving. Oh, in alcohol harm and nighttime ec- ec- economy policies. I kind of get that. Just be aware that people could are more likely to drink drive if if there are nightclubs and pubs open late and things like that. Who remembers nightclubs and pubs? Eh, it's a real throwback. <laughs> but this, it, I they need well for this to happen. They obviously need more, no more police out there. Well, they do, yeah. And I, and I, and we've we've said for some time that the visibility of the police, whether in the vehicles or walking round, helps just from a psychological point of view, improve most people's actions. Obviously, there are still outliers who are, in this instance, obviously possibly too wasted to know or don't care. Well, there is a a point in here that that says, you know, that 17% of drink drive offences are committed by repeat offenders. So, so, you know, there is a a sort of repetition within within this one. Which sounds like those people need help, not punishment. Well, or a bit of both. I don't know what it's like around you, but I know that here in Northamptonshire, then uh, Northamptonshire police are very vocal uh, on the social medias uh, about what they're doing about things. That and the fact that it could just be because it's Corby, but I see a lot of them around. Uh, but but they are very vocal about, look, this is what we're doing. This is this. We're cracking down on this. We, we pulled this car because the driver had his phone clamped to his ear mm. as he drove past us in our marked car. So they are very vocal about these things and letting people know that they are enforcing these things, uh, that they're not just sitting there, that they're doing it. My particular area around here, uh, they just don't have the the police. And we're not massively rural, as you know, but we've got Mm. one traffic police officer that covers, uh, and I'll show you sometime on the map where he covers. It's a matter they cover because obviously it's not just men. (laughs) But where they cover, you will see how big an area it is and how many urban conurbations mm-hmm. they have to take in on that. And then there's just the 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 other regular, the regular bobbies and the areas they cover and stuff. And it, you know, I've I've seen them. They, they aren't as vocal in our area. They are in other parts of the county. Mm-hmm. But I've I've seen officers come out of their own police station and go past people who are committing offences and they mm-hmm. don't turn around and go right let's have a little chat they just carry on it i think it, it all depends on who the senior off what the senior officers are deeming is the priority at the time yeah we're wavering way away from automotive stuff right at the minute let's fix the world now alan we've sorted cars yes. well that that's <laughs> there is scope creep scope creep is definitely creep is definitely making its way into this episode yeah well okay then at that point let's 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 pause now let's let's end the first part
Let's reset the requirements with Guilt Minute, a quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. Uh, we have a small range of merchandise available from our website and Teespring store, from stickers to mugs and T-shirts, and we are looking to uh, renew some of that and expand it it's just a case of time. I'm so sorry. If you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by subscribing for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very much. In particular, thanks to new patrons who have come on board in the last little while. Uh, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes, thank you. Right. No real news of note from Formula E or WRC, so we're going straight to the lunchtime read. And as a result, we are giving you two bits of homework. The, uh, As the editor-in-chief called it, the yin and yang of the topic. And they're both from Autocar. One is from... Oh, come on, where's the name again? Nick Gibbs. Nick Gibbs, thank you. And the other is by Jim Holder himself. Yes, from Jim Holder. So Nick Gibbs wrote what I think is a really... Excellent piece, because we have been quite vocal in our criticism, particularly of motoring journalists who get in an electric no, car. No, no, you've been quite vocal. I've just shut up mostly. No, last week we were, we were both quite vocal. Okay, yeah, we were. Okay, but for, for car journalists who should know better to get into an electric car and then whinge and moan that it isn't just like a petrol car or a diesel that you have to make some slight tweaks to your behaviour and how you do things. Now, Nick Gibbs is not one of those. He knows that you need to understand where charges are, how they work and all the rest of it. But he did with the test with the ID3, which actually looks cracking in that colour that he's got in the picture. Nice and bright. Uh, he went and tested... I think it's a really good looker. Yes, I, I think they've done well there, the, the, um, Volkswagen have. But he went and tested several different options that are out there in typical locations that we would encounter them uh, and how it came across as somebody trying to use them. So he strips it back and says what's good, what's bad, how easy it was, how easy it wasn't, what he'd prefer to have as a as a consumer, what, what he'd prefer it to be doing. And I think it's a really good article. I mean, overall, he's not had the greatest time, <laughs> to be fair to him. You'll never guess what, everyone. Ecotricity failed. <laughs> it's a big surprise, but others did too. Yes. There were, I mean, the one the one that caught me was in Ionity. I wasn't expecting because there's a pre-charge fee on that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Loads of people have that. Quite a large pre-charge fee. <laughs> uh-huh. And it repeats itself as well if the charge doesn't work the first time. Yeah. I've seen a lot, quite a few people complain about that, and so they, they do try and avoid them. They say whenever they work, they're great, but sometimes it can be a bit hit and miss, and it can pre-auth large sums. Supposedly going to be stopping changing that. Uh, with a new app and pro payment process uh, this year. Yeah. Just balance. Mm -hmm. The other one, the other article, is from is from Jim Holder himself, and he's saying that it's time to, to cut charging networks some slack and that there are short, shortcomings, but market force is amalgamation opportunity. It will improve it itself. Well, but we can see it's improved. Still time. 
Yeah, we we can oh, well, we see that. that I mean, look at reading Nick's article. You can see there's a there's a lot more that that work. Okay, they need finessing, but there's a lot more than work than did, you know, even three four years ago. The choices oh, are are goodness, increasing, yeah. so that's that can only be a good thing because that will drive. You know, we will we. It's like with petrol stations. You know, you talk about that you go to a specific petrol station because you you know the fuel you're going to get. It, people will do that with their yes. with their um, electricities. They'll go. I know this will work at two in the morning in February when I need it to. Well, hopefully they'll. Yeah. Yes. 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 So agreed. So I, I think I think Jim is right, and I think he's right to be cautiously optimistic. I think is possibly the the way to look at this. Yeah, he is. No, he is. He's optimistic, and that's why it's a really good, uh, a really good pairing. Neither are particularly long, by the way, so I don't think it's 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 lots and lots of pages. But it it nicely gives gives two sides of two sides of the discussion. Uh, it's kind of funny. It's both in the same article, of course. And I and I think it's very realistic in the current climate as well. It's it's a realistic yeah, picture of what's going on. Yeah, and that's important. Anyway, list of the week. <laughs> list of the week is from top gear it's from the archives and it's top gear's best ever pickup picks uh and this is in honor of the new f1 ford f150 raptor um so they've put together what they feel are some of their best ever pickup and ute images there's 27 of them mm-hmm. not 27 different vehicles but 27 pictures fabulous pictures and it's basically tom ford <laughs> well, he features in a lot of them. So, yes, have you chosen a particular rightly. favourite from them? Yes, I have. I have. I have to go. For, I, there, there's twenty-seven, there so I think we can choose one each. Okay, there are many that I, I that I could have chosen, but I've gone for talking of Tom Ford. But the one that, with the help of Ralph Hosier, created the ridiculous uh, Mitsubishi um pickup that's got the electric bike on it and the drone launch platform that's the blue l200 for anyone who doesn't know what he's talking about which which one which of the pictures because there's a couple of crackers the one where it's there. going uphill and it's got its front left wheel in the air yeah that's that's pretty cool my choice was different mine was uh the drifting lamborghini lm002 in the <laughs> okay I think it's just fantastic. I think it's a brilliant vehicle. I mean, it's, it's ugly as sin. It has essentially a Kuntak V8. Uh, V8? Oh, gee, what a mistake. A Kuntak V12 in there, pardon me. Uh, and just an amazing I may, just to save the, just made to save the uh, emails that will come in, just edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. It's, it's probably worth it. I, you don't yeah. need council culture the- from the car people. <laughs> <laughs> that was a genuine misspeak. Uh, I I got told though I made two mistakes in one episode the other week, mm. a few weeks ago. That's quite bad. Doesn't happen too often. No. Anyway, yes. So those are list of the week. Do have a have a little click through uh, that that Top Gear slideshow. Yep. Which leaves us, Andrew, with and finally for the week. Yes. And if you didn't get enough pictures of vehicles in the air in the list of the week, well. This is the the official story of the mad rumors and the you know the the bar bar side tales of how Autocar made a Porsche Cayenne fly, <laughs> and, and and I've and I've read through this a couple of times and it's 
amazing what happened. Amazing what happened to the KN. But I, I cannot get beyond how the photographer lived. It's, yes. Considering when you get told how close they are. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and and the KN went seven feet in the air. Yes. Roughly. It's expe- it's 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 assumed and lost. I love the list of the, the destruction list. So sorry, Porsche. Three broken wheels, four burst tires, all the dampers exploded, uh, and there was catast- and I, I quote catastrophic disrupt destruction of all underbody systems and it was one of only two in the country at the time yeah. really. <laughs> so yeah it's a it's a crack a little story there from from simon hucknell uh just putting that to rest because it has come up a few times recently with these pictures of the oops, with these pictures of a, a, a the kn at job um all four wheels off the ground yeah. and in the end that wasn't the picture they used because it looked so unbelievable that it looked like someone really had just photoshopped it in there. I had a boss who had one of those in blue. Not not after it had come off a ten seven foot jump. No. But um it was really nice inside. Not a fan of the front looks, but they've mellowed a bit with age. No. Yes, they have. They've improved a bit. Yeah. Parish notes this week. Uh, last week's Zoom Zoomers is still out, so do have a look for that. Uh, no special editions at the minute. No idea when either. I'm afraid. No. Uh, well, I've got some stuff in the in the pipeline. Okay. It's just a case of trying to organise it uh, and getting getting dates and and chasing people and, and stuff. Okay. So they will be back, guys. I'm sorry. Yes, it's just we're, we're not too abandoning many people them. trying to do too many things. <laughs> uh, Partly because I really love doing them. It's nice to have podcasts where I talk to someone interesting. Yes, I bet it is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't know. Why, would you? You? <laughs> That's why you do the Zoom Zoomers. <laughs> so yeah, regularly. Oh look, normal people, not Andrew. That's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it doesn't hurt so much if I say it. <laughs> no, quite, quite. So that's it. Yes, short one this week. Sorry, there wasn't a huge amount of news around. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll forgive us. But don't forget, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Cracked Windscreen, you should find me there. Now, Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and discuss Lamborghini engine sizes, what's the best way for them to do that personally? Uh, you can do that on uh, Twitter, of course, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We will be back, as we say, very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.